This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. What is happening? My name is Brad Ward. This is another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. This is game week, week four, Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. So Thursday night, it is what it is. You get your preview show here at All Eyes on Cleveland. I'd like to welcome to the show tonight, Robert Taylor and Mark the Commish Rich. They are the hosts of the Believe in Atlanta Sports Podcast uh, here to talk about the matchup with the Falcons on Sunday. Uh, Robert, how we doing, hey. sir? Oh, man, I'm doing great. It's good to be here, and, and hello, Cleveland. Yes, exactly, right? Uh, fantastic to have you and the commish down below. How you doing, sir? Wonderful, man. Thanks for having us, Brad. We appreciate it. Yeah, but my pleasure. Uh, Believe uh, Network, uh, good relationship with them, get a lot of their guests on. Uh, via Cam Rogers, so thanks to Cam for that, and uh, glad to have you guys. So uh, let's talk uh, Falcons first. I want to dive into this stuff. You know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I've done my research this week, but coming in, I really didn't know a lot about the Falcons because, you know, preseason there wasn't a lot of narrative around them. You know, Mariota's coming in, new head coach. I really liked Arthur Smith with the Titans. Really liked what he did as far as an offensive coordinator. Thought he's a smart guy. He, uh, you know, had a great run game there to work around. Um, what um, week three weeks in? They've played two really tight games against potentially very good teams. Definitely a good team in the Rams, right? And then they go to Seattle and get an impressive win in Seattle. It's always tough to go there and win against the Twelves, uh, certainly uh, in that stadium. And uh, so at one and two. How has, and we'll start with you, Mark, how has your expectations changed through the first three weeks here? Well, it's funny you said you uh, you didn't really know too much about the Falcons. The, the Falcons actually didn't know too much about the Falcons coming into this <laughs> That's probably why, a right? Of, a, lot of new, a lot of new pieces, a lot of new moving parts for us. Um, I, honestly, uh, on our podcast, I've, I've talked multiple times about how uh, coming into the season – um, I was just very excited because, you know, I, I had, you know, I don't have the highest of expectations, but very excited to see all these new things that we have, all these new shiny toys, uh, Drake London to go with the Kyle Pitts. Um, uh, I've, I've been very high on Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins playing together uh, as our safety duo. Um, Casey Hayward coming in to play uh, cornerback opposite of AJ Terrell, like, so many new new things that we just aren't sure how they're going to work and what i really loved about this season was coming in um apparently as the nfl's doormat the expectations of two to potentially four wins in a season that that was fine for me i i love being in this position i've embraced the fact that we're going through a rebuild 
Um, I was there for every single step of uh, Matt Ryan era, and I and I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, and we we got ourselves into some financial troubles, and you know Matt departing from Atlanta was tough for a lot of people, but. Uh, it, it, for other people, it, it wasn't it wasn't tough at all. So they're they're ready to move on. And for me, I just want to get us back to where we are as a franchise, moving in the right direction at all times. And it felt like there towards the end, we were kind of scraping and and grabbing a free agent here and there. Our money situation was so bad. Anyways, to really answer your question, coming into the season, the first three weeks, you know, you get that first game. I was in the stadium for it. It was crazy. Okay, having a little uh, technical difficulties. You good there, Robert? Yeah, I could kind of uh, pick up the mantle. It's funny uh, that we're on this show because kind of sort of uh, the situation the Falcons are in uh, was due in part to some dealings with Cleveland uh, because we trade a lot of picks, if I'm not mistaken, to Cleveland to jump up and get Julio Jones. Sure. And Thomas Dimitrov just, you know, he kind of emptied the safe on that one and, and kind of did a win-now thing. So when you look at Atlanta, they're in one of the more difficult rebuilds, and I've told Mark this on our show, than I can recall in a, in a very long time. They have no trade capital. The cap is a mess. So there's a lot of challenges there. And, and going in, I had literally no expectations whatsoever. 2-15 and 15 actually sounded about right to me at times. And I think a lot of the season is going to depend on, on how Mariota unfolds and how he develops. Uh, the first few games of the season, he's made a lot of bad decisions with the football yeah. He's looked confused at times. He hasn't been very decisive and, and you know, not kind of a, a leader. So if he continues to develop or Mark, you know, he, uh, he he's a guy that's ready for Ritter time uh, at some point. <laughs> oh, really? So, okay. You know, I think that it, they got to they gotta establish themselves at the quarterback but position, but also, too, with Atlanta, it's kind of like the Aerosmith song, same old story, same old song and dance. You know, the, they've, you know, the offensive line, no pass rush, red zone worries, who's going to step up and it looks like Drake London has it to, to be that top tier, you know, go-to wide receiver and, and, and this year too, getting Cal Pitts involved. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, that uh, has been kind of a mystery figuring that out. Certainly we've gone through that in Cleveland with Njoku where we felt like he had a really high ceiling. Uh, they, we paid him a, a ton of money this off season and, and some games he just doesn't get the ball and it's kind of a mystery, right? So, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts, obviously an absolute stud. It's about getting him involved in the offense. What do you, what have your impressions of Arthur Smith been uh, so far? Do you, are you happy with Arthur Smith as your coach? Uh, Mark, do you think this is uh, the, the right guy to take the uh, Falcons into the next step of this rebuild? A hundred percent. Okay. It, Atlanta fans are relentless these days, uh, but Arthur Smith and the Arthur Smith Terry Fontenot combination actually is what I'm I'm excited about. Like them, they work together very well, and so far they've done everything that they said that they were going to do, um, and they stayed true to that. Now he's getting Arthur Smith is getting a lot of flack uh, based on play calling, but I think I, I know I got cut out there for a second. I think I came back in, and Rob was mentioning Mariota making some. The mental mistakes and they're just being a few few issues there so i don't have a problem with what arthur's doing right now i think arthur is trying to on a week-to-week basis trying to put his guys in the best position to succeed and i mean you just look at cordero patterson 
the very first week of the season against the Saints. We haven't had a run game in years. And he breaks his single game rushing records with 121 yards. You fast forward two weeks later against Seattle in Seattle and being in Seattle, being in Seattle is not um, like just being there doesn't make you, you run any worse, but he, he went for 141 in Seattle. So, uh, I mean, it's just absolutely uh, uh, to me, he's doing everything that he needs to do in order to get uh, the best out of his team right now. The question mark for me is what his plan is with the quarterback. And Rob said I was ready for Ritter time. I I am in the sense that I just want to know what we have. I want to know what we have moving forward. And that's just me being an over-anxious fan. That's me being uh, probably a little impatient. Um, The guys that get paid all the money know what they're doing. So I, I I trust in them. And, you know, it's two years in, so we we don't know if uh, if he's the right guy or not yet. But we got to give him a chance. He's in a really, really terrible place. We talk about this all the time. This is one of the hardest situations to come into with a rebuild. You literally had nothing nothing in your war chest. So we, um, yeah, we are 100% uh, with the right guy until he proves us wrong. Um, Robert, as far as the quarterback situation goes, like – it's it's a tough spot when you have a rookie, right? And you have a uh, uh, quarterback, and, and you have a guy like Mariota, where you don't really know, you know what I mean? Like, is he going to be the future? Is there any expectation that he's the future? Because it just feels like maybe he's a stopgap for the moment. Is that how you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I, I wondered why maybe they didn't try some other options. Uh, you know, Jimmy G was out there and some other guys. And I think Mariota is comfortable with Arthur Smith. He's been in his system before. And I think they just thought he was a guy that could get them through until maybe even next year. You know, people whisper in Atlanta that they, they might go after a Bryce Young. or or But, you know, Ritter was kind of a bargain and he was a deal down there. And if he works out fine, if he doesn't, you know, maybe they're going to stock up there. But I like Marcus Mariota. I think he's kind of a, when I look at him, I think he has the potential to maybe be like a Cordero Patterson type of guy, maybe just a fresh, you know, uh, cause the guy's only 27. Yeah. You know, he's still a young guy and I think he still has a lot of upside. I just like the things that I spoke to before, just bad decisions with the football and indecisiveness. And I don't know, like being here in Atlanta with Arthur Smith, can he sort of find his way and, and kind of, become that kind of comeback player or actually develop into that player everybody thought he was going to be coming out of college. But as far as a long-term solution now in three games, I haven't seen it, but who knows? That's what I, and that's what I try to tell people all the time. You know, there are Falcons fans that after the first two games were fire Arthur Smith, then he gets a win and they go, well, let's fire Arthur Smith. And I'm like, well, and Mark says it all the time. He's like, what do you guys want? So after three games, there's some things I don't, like about Mariota and I haven't really seen him have that kind of one strong performance maybe it comes against the Browns but you could probably put a caveat in there that if it does you know we were talking about before we came on that you guys' defense is, is is taking a shellacking and you guys are dinged up pretty good so yeah you know take that with a grain of salt but Let's uh, real quickly talk about the uh, other side of the ball. I want to talk. Let me put, bring this up here. So, defend. I know you know. We know Atlanta has been uh, you know high EPA, very efficient on the offensive side of the ball. 
and, and effective. Some turnovers, what, six for Mariota so far? Is that right? I think six turnovers so far in three weeks. So that's something that needs to get, you know, uh, under control, I guess, uh, make better decisions. Some of those are fumbles, if I'm not uh, right. Okay. Um, and Cordell, uh, Cordero Patterson has been fantastic, obviously. Fantasy uh, owners everywhere loving him. Uh, and uh, he's just kind of a freak, right? Like the wide receiver that runs the ball and runs the way he does. It's crazy to watch a number 84 run <laughs> like he does as a running back. But he's been amazing. Uh, I want to talk about the defense, though. Has this been a struggle as you're, as far as you think on defense or uh, I'm going to bring up uh, the uh, roster here on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, give me your thoughts on this because I'll tell you, uh, you know, from a Browns perspective, this week the narrative is kind of like, yeah, they're real good offensively, but we feel like we can exploit their defense. Do you know what I mean? So l let me, you know, tell me what you think about that. Well, one thing that people have said coming in also, too, is that Dean Pease's defensive scheme can be a little difficult to uh, master and pick up. And the story with the Falcons, again, it, it's a lot of their troubles is just a lack of a pass rush. They've Now, they've gotten a lot of sacks this year. It seems like they're coming along. But even without the sacks, the Falcons' defense, and I, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I've always said this in the NFL, is – you don't necessarily have to get a lot of sacks. You just have to be disruptive. Yeah. And that defense has not been disruptive in a very long time. The last really great pass rusher we ever had was John Abraham. And I think it could change from week to week. You know, uh, against that Saints game, they gave up that lead late. And it was kind of, you know, just, wow, same thing as last year. And then you go into that Rams game where – it looked like we were just going to get trounced, but second half, even Matt Leinert said it during the broadcast. He goes, we're going to see what this defense is made of. And they hung in there. You know, Troy Anderson gets a blocked punt and they were scrappy. And, and that was, they were the reason why we stayed in that game and almost took that game away from the Rams was this Falcons defense. Interesting. Yeah. So I think right now it's kind of a coin toss. Uh, and I don't even know if they really have their identity. You know, that's what a lot of times, you know, uh, NFL teams that they're defense, they have this yeah. identity of who they are and, and what they're all about. You know, with Dan Quinn, it was the brotherhood. And, and so it's going to be interesting to see. I think the Falcons are going to get better each week. And I think they have as the season goes on. There's been little silver linings every week that's made me think, you know what, I, I think they can beat that two win mark or that four win mark, depending on what paper you're reading. So, yeah, I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, I would think at this point, it feels like to me, Robert, like uh, with a win in Seattle and how closely they played the first two games, it would feel like they should exceed that that their win total pretty easily. What was their Vegas win total this year? Do you know? Two and fifteen, oh. and then some other guys said they were you know four and two and fifteen and four and thirteen were the two that got that batted around. But the big one was two and fifteen out in Vegas. That was what they were saying. Yeah, looks like we lost Mark here, so we'll see. I'll keep an eye out for him down here in the uh, uh, virtual green room. Mikey will let me know if he comes back in here, but we'll uh, keep on going. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest uh, Robert Taylor of the Believe in Atlanta Sports Podcast. Uh, very gracious with his time tonight here. Uh, so when we look at this matchup a little bit closer, right? So as a Browns guy, Watson... The saga, 
all of this stuff has been crazy. The offseason has been crazy. I've talked, we've talked so much about Watson, all that stuff. The suspension came down. You guys were in those sweepstakes. Actually, down to the, were you guys in the final three, too? Oh, man, there's even a picture of a, of Deshaun Watson with a Falcons jersey on a foosball sure. table in the background. So I think it was uh, one. Uh, we were one of three teams. Uh, and I think it actually at the end of the day, it was just us and you guys as to yeah. where we might go. And and honestly, the, a lot of news reports came out down here in Atlanta that he was here. Yeah, he was coming. And then it, it was just the 180, like almost kind of like how Petrino left us. You know, he left a post-it note on the door. It was almost through, you know, in the middle of the night. It was like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. He's going to Cleveland. So, yeah, because it was announced that Cleveland was out of the running. Mm -hmm. And then I was in my car the next day and they just were like, oh, my God, you know, radio, like, you're not going to believe this news. Breaking news. Let's confirm it. Yes, he's coming to Cleveland. He's signing that monstrous deal. Um, how do... So let me ask you this. With all the what's going on since then, do Atlanta fans look at that like, boy, we dodged a bullet there? I think or it depends do, on who you ask because sure. there were so many, uh, you know, the Twitter GMs, as I call them, were chirping that, you know, it's a mistake. We let them get away. And and that's that's kind of Atlanta sports fan base in a nutshell. It's very divided, like pretty much down the middle. There's half of the stadium that wanted him to come, and he was going to be the answer to all our problems. And the other half is like, man, wow, am I so glad we did not bring that into Atlanta? And I was one of those guys, and I I don't know, you know, how anybody feels about it, but I said if that man comes onto this team, I'm done. I don't really. Want, I don't want to. I, yeah. Well, you know, and again, you could open up that whole Pandora's box of, you know, is he guilty? Is he not? The the, the number of, of witnesses was staggering. And I just kind of had my mind made up of, of, of who he was and what was going on. And I said, I, I can't even believe the Falcons entertained the possibility of bringing him here. I just didn't like the stink of it. And it's I don't know how we're I mean, but what it's what's it like in Cleveland, I guess, because that's what I would you know, as I know it's your show. But, but you know, you guys yeah. have him now and he's there and he's done for 11 games. But it's also funny that when he comes back, it's Cleveland versus Houston. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's uh, it's been a weird offseason. So, like, you know, you're a Browns fan like I am. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners are listeners are like, you know, <laughs> there's one part of me that wanted to be excited when he came because he's such a fantastic football player. And there's another part of me that was like, man, uh, I don't really know how to feel about this, right? And um, as the things, you know, we covered it pretty thoroughly here. Uh, the court proceedings, everything that went on, and we had legal guys on and everything, and and uh, agents and every angle we could take towards the whole thing. And it was a lot of talking about not football, which was not really that fun, right? Like, you don't do this show to talk about that stuff, really. But it had to be covered because it meant it means so much to the organization, right? So, I mean, I'm at a point now where, like, I, I'll tell you this. Our fan base, there are people that I think are saying they were done, right? Like, they're done with the Browns for good. Uh, my brother-in-law, personally, took down all his Browns stuff. I respect everybody's opinion on this. You can feel how you want to feel about it. There's certainly reasons to feel that way about it. I kind of look at it like this, and, and, and I've said this, my listeners have heard this before. Like, 
I think that people have a little bit of a skewed perception of who some of the people they root for on their team are already. If you don't think you're rooting for maybe guys that are worse people on your team than Deshaun Watson on a week-to-week basis, then you're probably just not really paying attention. So if we're going to all of a sudden become so judgmental of the guys that play on our team, I think you're not looking at your own teams honestly. This was very in the news and in front of your face. So the, obviously people are going to feel differently about it, right? Um, but like, I, you know, you can find a bad guy on every team in the NFL probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. Have done. Well, I think uh, what, you know, too, it, it just happened on the heels of, of the whole movement of there was Bill Cosby and then, then there was Harvey Weinstein. So everyone was already whipped up into a frenzy, uh, you know, about, you know, how males portray women and how they, you know, they treat women. So that didn't help either. But one thing that we all know in sports is winning makes you forget a lot of things. And I think nothing short of a Lombardi trophy in Cleveland. That's what, um, I almost said LeBron James, (laughs) That's what Deshaun Watson's got to bring the city of Cleveland. If he, if he can put together that, there's going to be people that, you know, like, you know, like your brother-in-law, I bet they might start hanging a couple of posters back up on the wall. I bet they might start going back to some games, but I think he's got a, he's got a lot to do. I mean, his, his reputation, as far as that goes, is in triage. There's no yeah. question. He's a remarkable athlete, but he's got some work to do. He's got a long road to hoe. Yeah. You're 100% right about that. And, uh, I tend to agree with you about, I don't know about my brother-in-law, but thinking about it Eh, we'll see (laughs) that'll be interesting (laughs) i'll let you guys know but uh i think some fans certainly will be persuaded back and i think some probably already have by just the season starting and the browns are playing and oh they're playing pretty well uh under jacoby Brissett. like they really should be three and oh without an uh, absolutely utter collapse against the jets so and they haven't really been tested that yet so we'll see their schedule gets a lot harder here real fast but so far we've been very happy obviously uh the run game has been fantastic and it's been fantastic for years but this offensive line is special the, the dick chubb is special you're probably getting prime chubb right now like i think this is maybe the best we've ever seen him like a guy at 230 pounds as light on his feet as he is is pretty incredible with kareem hunt and, and they're kind of him and stefanski's play calling and Brissett, who I'll be honest, I was not sure about it and was kind of wanting them to kick the tires on Garoppolo, and man, was I wrong on that uh, after watching Sunday Night Football and things like that, right? But, like, um, he has played really well. Like, he has played mistake-free football, efficient football. Uh, They haven't made a lot of penalties uh, on offense. They've stayed in front of the sticks, and they've been able to use that run game, and Brissett has been very efficient passing Amari Cooper, two straight 100-yard games. And Joku last week kind of came out against the Steelers. And so after that utter collapse against the Jets where they were up, you know, a 99.9 win probability with under two minutes to go in a game and you find a way to blow that, it's epic, right? So they jump back, they come back from that. So Browns fans are in a good spot right now. We feel like they're playing well. This is a winnable game, we feel like. Defense is dinged up. Weird week with Miles Garrett in the car accident, right? Unexpected there. Dinged up on the defensive side, but... It feels like two effective offenses going against each other, and I think probably maybe the defense that plays better in this game may win. Browns are probably going to try to play a little bit of keep away, time of possession. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, with those thoughts in mind, what, what's your, I mean, what are you saying to your listeners about this game? Well, it's uh, not to take anything away from Cordero Patterson, but I'll, I'll just throw some numbers at you. The Seahawks run defense has 96 attempts for 471 yards in three games. Running backs are averaging about 4.9 per carry, and they're running, they ran, they ran for 24 first downs. Whereas you look at the Browns run defense, 61 attempts, 251 yards in three games. So a lot more stingy. Not saying Patterson, I mean, he's great. He's he's the Swiss Army knife of the Falcons offense. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. The thing that I think if, if this happens in the game, it could be so much fun to watch. And we talked about this before going on, or those Cleveland safeties and Grant Delpit yeah. and John Johnson. Grant Delpit is a great uh, run stopper, but he's not so good at pass defense. They've blown some coverages. They've blown some assignments. And if they can't find a way to get better coverage on guys like Kyle Pitts and Drake London, Mariota could have a field day. And another thing I, we talked about, you know, is, is kind of respecting the mobile QBs. Trubisky <laughs> made a couple of runs on those guys, and he's not very mobile because they're coming down and crashing the QB a lot on those QB options and, and those read options. So, Man, it could really turn into a long day for that Browns defense if they don't take care of those things right away and contain Mariota and stop up those two two uh, marquee guys. They, it, a lot of points could be scored. I tend to agree, yeah. So, like, I'm thinking about, like, matchup-wise. Like, so, I don't really expect JOK, uh, Jeremiah Wosukoromoa, is fantastic player on our defense. And he has... Uh, I don't expect him to play, honestly. I listened to an interview with him today. And I, I didn't think he sounded like he was going to play, but we'll see. He's questionable. If he doesn't play, that kind of changes the approach to everything, especially with Kyle Pitts, because I would think that he would have spent a lot of time with Pitts. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know what they'll do now. Maybe they <clears> – I'm <throat> trying to think. Uh, it, may be, it may be Greg Newsom a lot of the time. I mean, that seems like a big size disadvantage, but Pitts is such a good route runner and whatnot. It may be Greg Newsom. Um, and then again, it may be a safety. You may get John Johnson down there, or uh, if they go dime, you may get, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what they would do here. You know, Denzel Ward is on the injury report. I fully expect him to play. They said a knee, uh, but he was came out of the game healthy last week, so that must have been something weird in practice this week. And I think Njoku's going to play too. But as far as the defense goes, I, I don't think a lot of these guys, I don't expect Clowney to play. I'd be shocked if Garrett plays, although they're saying that he's going to try uh, after that car accident, which is absolutely insane if you think about it because he should be thankful that he's alive. Um, but, yeah, so matchups like Pitts and who they the Browns try to use to match him up, I probably I would think it would be Newsom at this point, maybe a little bit of Jacob Phillips, right, the, t the linebacker when they have to. Uh, when, you know, when the when the uh, uh, Falcons go bigger personnel, the, you know, if they do at all, uh, then it would probably be Phillips in those situations. So 
that that matchup will be really intriguing how they handle Pitts and how they handle London. So like last week they had Ward and this is not what Joe Woods normally likes to do. Robert uh, is normally he comes from a background or a school of defense where they kind of leave guys on their side, right? No matter who they get, they just leave them. But he actually had Denzel Ward maybe the second time since he's coached for the Browns in three years, follow Deontay Johnson, which I thought was kind of weird. Like, He's a good wide receiver, but he's not, like, one of the best in the NFL. But he chose to have Ward travel with him everywhere he went. Uh, now, Ward has struggled. He's got a $100 million deal. He's a very talented guy, but he has struggled in coverage. A lot of those communications issues we're talking about stem from him, from what I've diagnosed, right? Um, so I think that they have the communication stuff figured out on the back end. Uh, they kind of got it under control. I feel last week they started to huddle a little differently. Uh, they got their, you know, kind of the signals straightened out, make sure they're more thorough with their their communication on the back end. But losing Anthony Walker, their, their Mike linebacker, hurts them communication-wise and leadership on the back end as well. He's out for the season. So it's Jacob Phillips, linebacker with a ton of upside, super fast, athletic guy, but has gets lost gets boxed out in the run game a little bit gets caught in the traffic um but you know so it's his show the spotlight's on him you know i guess he's gonna wear the green dot too instead of john johnson which is what they would have done in the past so it's it'll be intriguing to see how this defense responds against a good offense yeah and you know with and you've said it with so many guys questionable or dinged up on that cleveland defense i could because we're at home in the bins, I, I could see it maybe going sideways. If, if Cleveland can't, you know, of course, you know, you hope you have your your second string and, and, you know, next man up mentality. Yeah. But with all those guys out, you know, they're not maybe maybe able to run the normal schemes they would run and play defense the way they want to play defense. And if they can't do that, it really could get ugly pretty quick down here in Atlanta. Uh, I, I mean. I, that's what I would love to see. But if I'm Cleveland, I got to say, just what, from what I've seen Mariota do in the first three games, try to stop up that run, contain Patterson, and make Mariota beat you. Because with his indecisions with the football and the turnovers and the indecisiveness, make Marcus Mariota play football and make him beat you. If anybody's going to beat you. Yeah, so uh, I was on a show earlier today, right, as a guest on it's the cleveland.com or the plane dealers youtube show and they they were asking you know what what has to happen for the browns to win this game right and i i feel like it needs to be a similar game script to what they did against uh the steelers and in in, in week one they need to run the ball well they're very multiple so i, I think they can run the ball successfully if if same thing, right? Same thing for Atlanta. If you can make Brissett have to beat you, you're probably in a better chance to win, right, offensively. But if the Browns can run effectively, which leads to Brissett being efficient and getting Cooper involved and Njoku involved, if those things happen and open up the play-action game, they can go on 10-12 play drives and hold the ball for long periods of time. And their defense needs to be opportunistic. Like, listen, they've had a couple fumbles they've caused and haven't recovered any of them so far. If you can make Mariota cough it up and actually take it away, 
I think that's the Browns' best chance to win. So, you know, I agree. Make Mariota beat you. Maybe eight, nine guys up near the box. Going to try to deter the run um, and make him try to throw and try to pressure him. The problem is if you don't have Clowney and you don't have Garrett, you're going to have to dial up pressure because Alex Wright has not been getting home. They've basically, to be honest, Robert, since Clowney left halfway through the second half of the Jets game with his injury, they have not been able to get much pressure at all from their front four, even with Garrett, which who got like triple teamed last week against the Steelers, but they had a good plan for him. And Alex Wright didn't create any pressure off the other side, our rookie from UAB. So they had to dial up pressure in the fourth quarter. And if you're doing that and you're taking guys out of coverage to blitz, if you have to do that to create pressure, to try to create a turnover-worthy play for Mariota, I think that's advantage Falcons. So, yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you that I think this is going to be a very close game. I, I know you said it. I would be surprised if it gets out of control towards Atlanta's way, but, but maybe... Um, I, I think it'll be a close game, to be honest. I think both teams will score. I, I would think that over-under is probably pretty accurate around 48. I'm thinking like a high 20s game from each team. And I think it comes down to the end of the game, you know. I think a team has to get a stop, get off the field, maybe a field goal, something like that wins the game. I, I think this is kind of a coin toss. Yeah, I think if it's going to be one of those where, you know, Cleveland comes down here and their and their defense is just too dinged up, to make a difference, we'll know pretty fast. It's going to be, you know, the, you know those games where you kind of figure out pretty early on that, oh, man, I, I think this is going to be a, a blowout of sorts. But if I'm Dean Pease and the Atlanta Falcons, I try to bottle up Nick Chubb, make the Browns one-dimensional because they haven't gotten a lot of great play from that wide receiver two position. You know, uh, Najoku had a, a really good game against Pittsburgh, but Peoples-Jones was really good in, in week one, but then he was kind of absent in, in week two and week three. Yeah. And that way, you know, if Chubb's not there, you're one-dimensional, and it's it's Amari Cooper, and you just kind of cover him up, and, and the Browns are maybe seemingly out of options unless one of those guys steps up. So, yeah, I, you know, one thing could, I think – either way. Yeah, it could. One thing I think that maybe teams don't realize until they face the Browns – is that like how actually difficult it is to stop the Browns run game. So like, I know a lot of people will like say when they watch and they look at the statistics and they're like, yeah, they're a good run game. So we're going to load up the box, you know, Grady Jarrett, you know, these guys, we should have, we should stop the run. Like it's not that. So like they're, they run the wide zone scheme, but their, their offensive line is so talented across the front five there. Right. Like that, that they, use every scheme like they will hit you with the wide zone if you make an adjustment they'll start running their gap scheme they'll use the pin pull they'll do whatever they have to do to get that run game going and they generally are pretty so far they've been successful at it now you know i think the steelers is probably the best defense they faced so far and uh they they kind of did what they wanted to eventually warm down with the run game i don't know what your thoughts are on atlanta stopping the run I mean, they've given up 328 yards in three games, so not It's not great, that bad, right? But, you know, uh, not awful either. Yeah. And, again, I, I think it just depends. I, I think they play better with the home crowd, uh, you know, sure. behind them. I, I think they 
I think we're going to see a team that realizes that, you know, they probably already are playing beyond what people expected this year, just because of the way the LA Rams game turned out and how they were in it and they fought and hung in till the very end, the way that they kind of made up for that new Orleans game out in Seattle by taking the lead late and holding the lead late. And I, I, I think they're riding high. I think they've got, a lot of uh, room to grow, but I, I don't think this team is as bad as people made them out to be. And, and you know, unlike some other Atlanta fans around here, I think Arthur Smith is a great coach. I just think he needs Agreed. time. And, and again, I, I would even argue that maybe Dean Pease, it's all about, you know, having the right guys, the right pieces. And I don't think at this point, Dean Pease has all the players he would like in running his, his defense. I think they need another great draft. And that's, that seems to be the problem that Atlanta always has is, you know, uh, would I don't I can't say I would love for them to go two and fifteen or four and thirteen. You know, Mark and I both said we'd like to see them improve, but just barely lose games. But Atlanta has a really good knack for being just good enough to not get those you know juicy, really good draft picks. Top five picks, yeah, and top five. So I think you know I don't think they I don't think they need to go quarterback again. I'm not sold on Ritter just because of the fact that, you know, big-time players show up in big-time games, and he squared off against Alabama, and he was a non-issue. He, he didn't factor into that game. That doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to yeah. be great in the NFL, but I'm just, I don't know. I just, you know, it's, and it's nothing more than just a gut feeling. I did watch him play quite a bit at Cincinnati. Strangely enough, it was just one of those guys I would just happen to catch some Cincinnati games, and I heard about him, but it's just one yeah. of those gut things that I'm not – convinced he's the guy for arthur smith's offense sure somebody would you know would out there will prove me wrong and argue that point but i think they really need another key off defensive player and you know when that cap opens up too and so it's man, yeah it's hard to be a falcons fan this year it's really yeah. hard yeah hey to that point though they they played well right and and better than people thought so I like Arthur Smith. I think he's a very smart guy and, and uh, at the forefront of, you know, offensive minds here. I think that he's a good choice for them uh, to, to lead them. So I like him a lot. I liked him a lot in Tennessee too. So uh, at what point do you think, like, for you, do you think that there is – so let's go range of outcomes for the Falcons this year, right? Worst range of outcome – at what point do you want to have Ritter play? Well, I had told Mark that if he didn't have if, – if Atlanta didn't come out of Seattle with a win and he didn't have a little bit better game, that we might see Ritter against the Browns. Um, it's really tough. Boy, I wish it, that would have happened. You, yeah, <laughs> it's really tough because I'm not a preseason guy, and everybody was just wowed with Ritter in preseason. I'm like, hey, man – he doesn't play. He's not playing against anybody. Yeah. He's not playing against a starting defense. These are guys that are probably going to get, you know, a letter handed to them from, from the Turk, you know, at the end yep. of training camp. These are guys vying for a spot. Not that they're not incredible athletes, but hey, I want to see him play against a real NFL defense and see what he does. For sure. You know, and Mark said it, you know, he was, he was, he was ready for Ritter time because he wants to see exactly what we have. So, I'm one of those guys that's like, hey, man, it's game three. We're one and two. We get a win against Cleveland. You, you leave him in there. You know, I don't, I don't know. And, and so I guess it just depends on 
talk to me about like week maybe week eight week nine. <laughs> you know yeah. I, I just think is if and especially if Mariota can string a few a few together I think so, though he does have to have kind of that statement game I think yeah. he needs because right now he is the starting QB but he hasn't had that game that he kind of plants his flag and says this is my job I mean, Ritter's right there waiting. That's what I think. I think Ritter is right there waiting at any moment they could switch it up and put him in. So he's got to have that statement game to kind of cement his position as the leader of that team and, and the guy that's going to take him through this season. What percentage of the fans do you think want to see Ritter now, like right away? Oh, man, I would probably say there's 60%. I think there's probably really? more people who are – man, you know – Atlanta fans are so finicky. I, I On our podcast, we talk about it a lot. I go pretty hard at our fan base because they're so spoiled. They're fair weather. Yeah. You know, it doesn't – they never they never like to give anyone an opportunity. I mean, like I told you earlier, they were already calling for Arthur and Terry's head. Yeah. Game, game two, season two. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. You guys, you're, you're not – like, get out of your feelings is what I tell Atlanta fans a lot of times. Get out of yeah. your feelings and think like – how the front office thinks. Think yeah. how that locker room thinks. There's nobody in that organization that's going, I think we should probably fire our new head coach and GM. <laughs> you know, nobody's saying that, but Atlanta's saying that. Right. You know, even if they win on, you know, Sunday, there's going to be so many people in the Falcons or, you know, uh, not organization, but fan base that are going to say they still need to be fired. You know, it's, 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 it's insane. It's really aggravating down here right now to, to have these people. And it seems like they're the ones getting most of the attention and making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> the because, vocal, the vocal minority, brother. It's yeah. a, listen. It's a faction of fan bases for every team. I think like there was, like Joe Woods is in year three of being the DC for this the Browns defense, right? And uh, at the end of last year, they were like a top five defense. So that they have high expectations for this defense. When they're healthy, they are loaded with talent and, and deep. But, like, so far, because of the breakdowns in the secondary and communication and whatnot, it's been fire Joe Woods, you know, the vocal minority, right? Fire Joe. It's instant react. And that's just – that's how I think that's fans everywhere. Right? I think like, it's worse in Atlanta. I really do. I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I believe look, you. So, I mean, but look at Cleveland, you know. Like, Cleveland has every excuse in the world to not go to games. They have every excuse in the world – to trash talk their organization because what is it 29 quarterbacks yeah you know in how many years but week in week out cleveland's one of those cities to where it doesn't matter if you guys are 0 and 10 or 10 and 0 the dog pound is there the place is filled up the, the yeah. fans are rabid of course there is but in atlanta they come out of the woodwork when when times are are great and that's kind of what we're trying to do down here on, with this podcast is change that mentality. Like if the Falcons are flying high, the stadium's full. If they're not, everybody goes and does something else. And I'm like, man, you know, this, this is your team. That's I just tough. And I'm jealous of other franchises like a Cleveland or a New England or, or, you know, anywhere that have these people that just come out. They don't care. Like Buffalo's a, a good one. You know, when they yeah. had drafted J.P. Lossman, I met a guy the other day. He's, you know, there's, there's a big Bills representation down here. And he's like, we were like, what the hell was that? But then we also cracked a beer and said, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl. He's going to be our guy. You know, yeah. so I just want to see more of that out of our fan base and just less just whining. They're like the whiny kid that kicks the cooler, you know, in the baseball <laughs> game. The coach's son. He's, oh, we suck, man. We're terrible. Like, we have a lot of people like that down there. And I'm just like, hey, cut it out. Think more like a player, you know, be more level headed and just and, and just realize that 
nobody expected anything great from us this season. And also, look at how the franchise was operated under Thomas Dimitrov's watch. You know, he he completely just trashed the place. Yeah. You know, it's like he had a kegger and left. Yeah. And, and left the mess for the next guy. Like, this doesn't happen. To, there's not a single coach in the entire NFL that could come down here in this situation and clean it up as quickly as Atlanta fans would like it cleaned up. It sure. may be, it's going to be maybe year four before we really start to see the fruits of Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot's labor. That's what I think, anyway. Very fair. Uh... It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening and watching, hopefully, uh, All Eyes on Cleveland, uh, Blue Wire Podcast production, the Falcons preview show as the Brownies get ready to travel travel down and uh, face the Marcus Mariota and Cordero Patterson-led Falcons on Sunday, 1 p.m., Let's see. 1 p.m. Uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, CBS. Sunday is the 2nd of October. Uh, so I don't know who's on the call yet. The spread is minus one right now uh, to the Browns. 40. Oh, it's gone down. It was minus three. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? It happened after the car accident. Uh, yeah. So, let me get your thoughts on a couple other things real quick while I have you, and uh, you've been excellent so far, so I appreciate it, Robert. Um, it's tr- I think think it's interesting because Mercedes-Benz is obviously indoor and turf uh, in the Browns play on grass, and there's been a, a loud outcry this week for, like, why are we not, why do we not have all grass fields across the NFL? Like, there's enough money to do it. And the excuse for turf is generally it's easier to upkeep, right? It, what other argument could you have for it, right? So the outcry has been loud. Like, why are we letting teams have turf, even the NFL? Do you have thoughts on this? Because of the injuries, right? So what do you think about that? Well, I know people will tell you that, you know, turf toe and then like the Liz Frank injury seem to be more, more prevalent on turf. But I mean, I've been on some of those surfaces and I think, Maybe now I, I would love to know like the, uh, a bigger sample size of players, but it seems like for every player that doesn't like it, there's a player that says they don't mind it or it's not a big deal. So I mean, the, the, just the, I mean, think about the AstroTurf from the 1980s. You know, all they did was lay out a little thin layer across concrete. I mean, that stuff sure. was brutal and it was hot. And now, I mean, there's there's been times where I've seen NFL stadiums, you know, and, and I can't tell the difference. Yeah, I think that. As far as injuries go, though, like, the give, right? Like, there's just not a, like, there's an an aspect of playing on turf that certain injuries, like ligament tears and things like that, can be avoided sometimes because there's just give in grass that there isn't in turf. Like, when you're held up against, or you reach a point where a ligament you know, need or a, or a joint needs to give, it gives on grass and it does and on turf. And I, like, that, that... Watching Sterling Shepard like basically jog lightly down the you know and tear his knee up, mm-hmm. 
uh, in MetLife, in MetLife is like a death trap, right? Like that place has more ligament tears probably than any place in history. I would I feel like, or at least it appears that way. I don't know. I have the figures in front of me right now, but um, and you saw like Odell and other people commenting who have had those injuries on that surface. Like, why don't we have grass everywhere? So I think it's kind of a good point, but at least if it's going to be turf, it should be like good turf, like not like MetLife. Like, why don't we have the best possible? Um, cause like, I feel like Atlanta, when I watch them play, like that's good AstroTurf, I feel like, or at least it is better. A, I mean, they spared no expense. I mean, that is yeah. a world class surface. I mean, we have an MLS team that plays on it. Yeah. But you know, I guess you could argue to the point too is like you know how many NFL stadiums have had uh, grass, natural grass, but it was like playing in a cow pasture because you know Soldier Field, I think, is one place that I could think of, or Green Bay. You know, the ground freezes up there. It gets hard as a rock, or they just don't care for the turf properly. It it, it gets raining. It's sloppy. So I think yeah, it's Chicago's I think the worst. They they I think just don't way. they lack on maintaining. I don't know what it is with that place. I don't know why they have such a hard time maintaining the grass. Like you should have a world-class crew of people like you can afford it, right? Like these NFL organizations can afford it. So it's an interesting topic. I don't know what the answer is really. It feels like if the data could be provided to you that grass was safer like then they should do it would you agree with that oh yeah well i just wonder like and again this is like i don't have the data in front of me but i just wonder is there anything in their bargaining agreements or their you know their labor agreements that it you know does establish like a certain level of maintenance for a playing surface but you know maybe that's something they could talk about in the future is like hey guys the nfl is going all grass but you just kind of have the it's the same type of grass in every yeah. stadium or, you know, or do you have to change the grass because it's different regions of the United States? But maybe establish some sort of just baseline of this is how we need to maintain our fields. And you have to meet this kind of, you know, standard. I think you're on to something surface, there. You know, I, th I think it trends that direction, actually, at some point here. Uh, final thoughts. You've been excellent, Robert. I appreciate your time. I've really enjoyed speaking with you here tonight, and all eyes on Cleveland fans will surely enjoy this episode. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, go uh, check out Robert's uh, content and listen to the Believe in Atlanta uh, sports podcast. Uh, if you would like, I suggest that you do so, but certainly um we appreciate robert's time tonight and a uh, big fan so far so this should be a fun game uh on uh sunday but uh a fun game tonight in the nfl thursday night football we've got the hot dolphins uh who you know have uh are explosive as can be with their two you know probably two of the fastest wide receivers in the league together uh and mcdaniel up there uh you know very creative and the way that he's using tua who i think is probably due for some regression himself to the mean but um yeah they go to cincinnati tonight who you know super bowl last year uh slow start this year a little bit of a hangover maybe uh their offense looks a little disjointed now burrow missed some time in the preseason because of his appendix or whatever so it's a, kind of been a weird start for them they're one and two uh this is a big game in the afc tonight what do you think about this one 
Man, I think it's not how you know, and and I think a lot of people would agree it's not how you start, but how you finish. And, sure. You know, this is not the first time we've seen a Dolphins team come out of the the gate pretty hot and, and string together. So you know what I mean. And Great again, point. like you said, I'm not a I'm not a Tua guy. I don't think he's a guy that's gonna uh, you know uh, do a lot of winning in the NFL. I don't think he's gonna you know when you when you when it all you know the dust settles ten years from now, are we gonna be talking about what a great quarterback to attack? I can't even. I always struggle with the last name, so I won't even go there. But you know, I, don't, yeah. I just don't think he's that guy. Um, you know, it's a new system. He's got some. He's got some nice shiny toys to play with down there. But I, I think Cincinnati gets off the Schneid tonight and and takes care of business. They're just too good of a football team. I mean, they just want. They just played in a Super Bowl and did quite well. And they have Joe Burrow, so I think we they see do. Cincinnati show up tonight. Yeah, I think they get back on track at some point. Uh, this this Dolphins team is weird, right? Like, you know, they're explosive on offense. They have a lot of talent on defense, and they're super aggressive, right? Like, we've seen the way they play. They play, I think, uh, I was did this show the other night, and I was looking at some of the coverage trends in the NFL. I think they rank in, like, the top three in man-to-man defense in the NFL. On, on, uh, they have some good corners. Javon Holland's a dog. So they're, they're pretty good over there, uh, or at least at times are good. Um, I like their coaching job so far. It's kind of a fun team to see how they do. But like you said, this is a trend. This isn't new for them. They have caught not to half starts before. Like, they really had no business beating the Bills in that game on Sunday. Like, if you watched the game and didn't look at the score, what you thought would, you would have thought the Bills were up by 20 the entire mm-hmm. game. But somehow, Miami wins, right? And it feels weird that way. So, um, yeah, I think it's an interesting game tonight. I, I, I wonder uh, if Cincinnati shows up finally at home. I hope not, obviously, as a, yeah. a divisional foe. But, uh, yeah, so it's interesting. It'll be a good game tonight. Uh, any other thoughts you want to leave us with here, Robert? I appreciate your time again. We'll get you out of here. Uh, but uh, excellent analysis on Atlanta and this game on Sunday. No, it's just I, you know, I think about it sometimes, and it's not a big rivalry, but I do think about how the, you know, we kind of have a connection with the city of Cleveland. You know, I talked about the Julio Jones thing, but you know, the besides this year, the last World Series title that the Braves won in '95 was against. The Indians. I'm not going to call them the Guardians. I'm going to call them the Cleveland Indians. And you feel you know, free if you're, if you're yeah. sensitive about that. Then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> not hey, you, but anybody hey, listening. You <laughs> just made all the listeners happy right there. You, you just, know, uh, so it's just uh, it's happy. funny uh, that we we kind of have that connection. And, uh, and and there's been some uh, there's there's been some battles there, or kind of some connections. And uh, man, I just really just want to thank you for having me on, man. Uh, we're both in the same boat of, of trying to uh, to grow our brands and, and grow our shows and establish ourselves in the in the local communities of our our respective sports towns and man i just uh it's gonna be I, i'm gonna be watching a lot of cleveland uh and and watch this saga unfold uh as far as number four is concerned and just yeah see what happens and where it goes and and I'm, I'll just be interested to see, uh, man, that Houston-Cleveland game is going to be something else. Yeah. The whole world is going to be watching that game. And th- is that in Cleveland? Uh, it's in Houston. In Houston, man. Even you know, worse. You need to get a plane ticket and go down there for that. You know, bring I, I might want to stay away. H-Town. <laughs> might want to stay away from that scene. You know, I mean, there's going to be protests. There's going to be, you know, it's been nice since... <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's been nice since he left, right? The building and uh, that 
narrative has left and we could focus on football and talk about it again and and Brissett has played so well it's been refreshing so you know I I look forward to seeing him play I think there'll be considerable rust at first but it's interesting it'll be interesting if the Browns are above 500 when he comes back I know you got to run uh but I, I I got one question for you yeah if Brissett has this team in a position where they're atop the division and he's playing great football. What do you do? Do you pull the trigger because you 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 gave him so much money or do you say, "Hey man, this guy's getting it done. He's here. He's winning. He's our guy." It's that's that's going to be an interesting situation if Cleveland's there, you know, at, at game 12 and they're, you know, I think that uh Robert that was topic number 1. Uh, on Sports Talk in Cleveland this week, right there, what you just said. Like, hypothetically, what if the Browns are kicking ass? You know, what if they have, like, what if they're, like, eight and three or something? And you don't mess with the chemistry. It's in, That's another thing that I thought about, too, is if, if, if things are clicking and things are jiving with Jacoby Brissett, even with – is he allowed in the facilities or around the team? Or does he have to stay away? And, like, when he comes back and the media circus that comes along with it, how's that going to affect the locker room and the Browns organization? Yeah, so he'll be back in the facility in like 10 days, I think. So I think it's the 8th, maybe. I'll have to check it. But it's it's right here uh, maybe a week or so into October where he's allowed back in the facility. And then, like, how do you – we talked about this on the last year. Like, how do you – if you're going to play him, which I think that as much as I – maybe would just roll with Brissett or most people would, or even Kevin Stefanski might want to. I think the fact that your owner has $230, $230 million in escrow because he guaranteed his entire contract to him and the biggest NFL contract ever, I think you have to play him. I just think real life is going to slap people in the face and say, duh, like they're going to play him. Because here's the thing. Like, I agree with you. Like, it's such a, it's a weird thing, right? But like, if you what if you have a chance to make the playoffs or what if you're above 500 like like we're talking about here and like you're not going to roll with Brissett till the end of the season and into next year that's just not going to happen period so at some point Watson's going to play so the sooner that he gets the rust off the better yeah I think you got to keep Jacoby though uh you know moving forward people seem to forget man he did quite well in New England he did he did pretty good darn good in Indianapolis he's a he is a very serviceable quarterback and probably yes. not somebody not too bad of a guy to have on your bench behind Watson should something go down, you know, injury-wise or, or otherwise. It, it'll be interesting, too, what happens to the locker room because they love this guy. Like, people love this guy, uh, Brissett. So uh, that'll be an interesting situation as well. Deshaun Watson has been known as a good teammate and a good leader on the field in the locker room, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, interesting points, uh, definitely. A lot to keep an eye on there. Robert, you've been the best, man. I uh, appreciate you. I, I'm gladly oh, have you. you on again in the off season to uh, talk about uh, just NFL in general. So, Man, anytime. Uh, I, I love doing this stuff. So any, yeah. anytime, man. Uh, we'll, we'll get you on our show too, man. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to do some, uh, some live stuff. Uh, uh, and we, we got a lot of stuff going on. So, man, I really appreciate you letting me come on and, and talk with mm-hmm. you. And, of talk course. about my brand and uh we will certainly return the favor my brother follow uh robert on twitter at driver eight underscore rt 
And uh, follow uh, the uh, Believe in Atlanta podcast on Twitter as well, at Believe in ATL 66. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. Absolutely. Thank you, Brad. All right. Later. Big thanks to Robert Taylor and uh, Mark Rich. The, the Commissioner Rich was on there for a couple of minutes with us, had some technical difficulties, but Robert was fantastic. Uh, good uh, insight into this game and what's going to go down on Sunday. I love getting, you know, just, I, I think you get a real, a, the, the realest take you can get when you talk to someone and what they say to their listeners, right? Like, because when it's just us and it's just me and it's just you and I'm talking to you guys about the Browns, it's, you know, there's no fluff. I just tell you how we feel about it. And so when you can get somebody like Robert did to open up and just tell us exactly how he feels about the Falcons and how that they're going to fare in in, in uh, this game on Sunday, I think it brings a great perspective to things. And, and it, I think it opens some eyes. So really good stuff from Robert. Listen, uh, the uh, text giveaway uh, is still going on. Two winners were uh, contacted today for free T-shirts. Uh, so... Uh, please text EYEZ to 31032 to be part of the All Lies on Cleveland text community. There will be a uh, um, question-answer session, mailbag session that you can get involved with if you do that. But also do it so you can win a free t-shirt in the next round of giveaways, uh, which will be uh, a couple more t-shirts out to people. So two today uh, given out, and we're giving out more. So continue to send EYEZ to 31032, your chance to win a free t-shirt. I will be back with another episode, or maybe even two, if you're lucky. Remember, you start getting excited, motherfucker! We gotta go! You start getting excited, motherfucker. Uh, it, so let's uh, let's go, Brownies. Done to Atlanta. Gotta get to 3-1. and one. We talked about this multiple times before the season started. Uh, this first four games. Now, we also talked earlier this week about how the schedule has gotten lighter in our eyes uh, than we thought before the season. So this should be intriguing. But the Browns get to 3-1. and one. That's a big, big, big aspect of their recipe for success this season. This is a big game for them. 2-2, two 3-1. And two, and huge difference. Huge turning point in your season. So... Let's go Browns. Uh, Appreciate you guys watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Hit subscribe. Hit like. If you're listening on podcast, make sure you subscribe to the show. And text one more time. E-Y-E-Z to 31032 for your chance to win another free t-shirt. Congratulations to our two winners today. You will be uh, alerted to their winnings on Twitter. Time to go. Go watch Thursday Night Football. Appreciate you all and uh, appreciate your support. Go Brownies. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland for Robert Taylor of Believe in Sports Podcast and all the good people at Blue Wire. My name is Brad Ward. Mikey behind the virtual glass. We are out. <laughs> <laughs>